At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786-708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786 786- Seven zero eight zero eight one three to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, it's having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to part one of our 2020 NFL Draft Preview. We're going to be doing the offense today. I'm afraid our Tiaga, Simon Clancy is here, Chris Kaufman is here, and we've been talking about quarterbacks for months now. And you guys know all the names, but there's some questions that have come up and you've actually posed to us on the Three Yards Per Carry Twitter account. And I guess Simon will run them down for you right here. Given that you're hosting the show, so the first one was, will Miami move to one? I would say not. No. I mean, minimal. And I think I actually think it's arrogant that people say, oh, the Dolphins will just do it. But, but if the boot was on the other foot, the Bengals, you know, why, why would the Bengals want to do that? You know, yeah. you know, Ohio kid is going to sell a shitload 100%. of shirts. I do think yeah. it's plan A for Miami, though. 
Yeah, but it's not going to happen though. Uh, probably not. I mean, I agree. I agree. Probably not. But I think it's Plan A for Miami. And if, I mean, we've been we've been off air talking a lot about Justin Herbert and how the NFL likes him better than than we do, and and all this thing, these things. And you're even hearing some people in the media, like, or some people that you've talked to, Simon, that are like, "Don't be oh. that surprised if the Justin Herbert goes number one." Well, what if they're like, you know, well, we can get him at number five. <laughs> you know and we would take them at number one anyway so i'm just saying yeah. you never know if they're a distressed price tag comes out like remember what happened when we went up for Deion jordan the raiders just gave us that pick for ridiculously below trade chart value yeah you know mm. you never know i mean um, wasn't it like a second round there wasn't it a it was a second round or something yeah it was like from- 12 to 3 or something. I think it was the 42nd pick or something like that and um yeah it was it was ridiculously below the value the chart value and you just never know and that was by the way Reggie McKenzie. Um oh, so so yeah, and that trade to, didn't work out for anybody actually. Yeah, but you got to think that look when, it comes, the Raiders. when it comes to a quarterback uh, it's I don't think you're going to move up even from 5 to 1 without dumping maybe all of the first round picks this year like i, think that's I don't the think starting so. point I, I i don't think so i think just one of the first you know the the price that if if this is plan a for miami and i'm i'm i keep hearing that it is uh if it's plan a for miami i think what's probably on the table is one of the first round picks this year and maybe one next year and and then to get we'll to one they say yes yeah to get to one yeah and we'll see if they say yes and right now i agree with you simon i don't think Cincinnati's going to say yes and, and in fact I started hearing that Cincinnati kind of wants us to get to three first and then so that they wouldn't have to move down as far you know just from one to three and that that's deal killer I think for Miami because Miami's not going to pay the price to go two steps like that but, but how about um, this? let's say let's say that that Cincinnati is you know all on board okay we like Joe mm-hmm. Burrow and Cincinnati's like you know what we can do with Tua Tonga by a law they move down to five, and then they're going to have Detroit hound them for an asset to get back up to three. That's why I, I think they take Justin Herbert. I think they take Herbert anyway, and we'll that, get to the a, Herbert thing in a minute. Right, right. I think it only uh, happens we'll to- if they like Justin Herbert. I think that's the only which way. Which I think they do. Which I think they well, do. Well, the Cincinnati. I, mean, would, I think. Yeah, they do yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think I, I would strongly suggest that Justin Herbert would be number two on the Bengals board above Tua. Strongly suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the other question I'm about with you. Cincinnati. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other question about Cincinnati in that pick is that if Miami so so Peter King said on Monday Albert Breer said yesterday, uh, which probably was Monday, I can't remember now. Um, I seen Daniel Jeremiah say it as well that essentially four first rounders is the kind of the the number. Mm. The, the 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 question is, is Joe Burrow essentially three first rounders better than any other quarterback? That's the question. I think you, if you're Miami, you've got to ask yourself: Is Joe Burrow three first round picks better than either Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, or Jordan Love? And to me, the answer is unequivocally no. Unequivocally no. No. I say no, but when I say no, like I get accused for being biased because you know I didn't rate Joe Burrow that much heading into the season and yeah I've come a long way on him but every time I say something that's like you know he's not the most awesome number one pick ever 
it's like ah, you know, you just you but just he's never reflect him. He's not three first round picks better than. He, to, I'm not a massive Justin Herbert fan, but I don't think Joe Burrow is three first round picks better than Joe Burrow. No. Right. The next question yeah. then that people keep keep asking is, will Miami move to three? Well, if Detroit is, you know, if Detroit has a brain in their head, they're going to have to. I would, if I were Detroit, I'd try to get something out of us, at least thirty nine. At the I very see, number thirty nine. It only works if it only works though if it only works if a if the Giants are a legitimate threat to give up the pick to somebody, yeah. right? And as we know, mm-hmm. Dave Gettleman's never traded down in his entire. Now they're trying to signal. They're trying to signal, though, that they are they are open for business. So maybe I mean it's the Chargers, right? The Chargers at six. It's a stare down between Miami and mm-hmm. at five and six. But um, you know the Giants are trying to signal. It seems like that they're trying to signal that they might be open for business. So if they I are, the Gi- I think the Giants would be happy either with Simmons, who fits them mm-hmm. really well, or one of the tackles. So if you move, if you stay at four, mm-hmm. maybe you get Simmons. And if you if you move to six, maybe you know Miami miss out on a quarterback and they take Simmons. It still means the Giants can get Worth's, Wills, Thomas, or or um, Beckton. I think I, Thomas. I, I think Thomas is so perfect for for the Giants. But I don't but see I, it happening anyway. On, on the other hand, the Lions are not a legitimate threat anymore. Or you know, they don't have a legitimate. Um, they can't even bluff any anymore that they're willing to take two at three. I think mm-hmm. that that's, no. that's over. They got, yes. they got called on it. And I think that Matthew Stafford ruined it. I think that yeah. they started signaling it. And I think that Stafford and, and his, and his wife got upset about it and they started raising a ruckus. And then all of a sudden the lions had to, you know, snuff that out just to make him happy. And the Lions, so, I don't, and, and, I, and I, I got to say this too. I think the Lions are not only are they in win now mode, but there's two players, Okuda and Isaiah Simmons, that I would say would be their chief targets. And moving down to five, it's conceivable, although not likely, but it's conceivable they'll lose one of them. So I don't think it even makes sense for them to even pick up an asset if that's who they want. Because I could see the Giants pivoting especially if Okuda or Simmons is staring them right in the face. So the other question though, you know what, but sorry, uh, just, just to push back a little bit on the Simmons thing with the lions, they did sign Jamie, Jamie Collins. Mm -hmm. And I, I do see them as somewhat similar players. I, you know, I wonder, I wonder if the Simmons guys like Isaiah Simmons are generally, I don't want to use the word hype because I believe he's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Um, they're generally well regarded by us, by uh, NFL, you know, Twitter people and NFL media and stuff like that. Cause he can do all these things and he's so transcendent and stuff like that. The guys, but the guys like that, the NFL can sometimes be a little lower on than we are because it's like, well, where exactly do I play him? You know, what, what exactly, what exactly is he really, really, really good at? You know, what position is he really, really good at? And I, I wonder about that. And, and the lion, the lions sort of have the same kind of defense we do, which is positionless, which fits him, but you get a lot, you get positionless players at a bargain. You don't pay a premium for them a lot of the time, right? Cause you're, you're buying 
the tweeners that the other guys don't want. And, and in this case, they'd be paying, you know, a really high premium for that sort of tweener. And, um, and I, I wonder about that sometimes, whereas Jeffrey Okuda just seems like a slam dunk. Right. Yeah. So the question, the question though, that I think is probably the, the biggest overarching question in all of this, or the biggest overarching point in all of this then is that there are people within the NFL and then there are people outside the NFL like us and like fans and those sorts of things. And it feels like the people that out, are outside the NFL value to a much higher than people inside the NFL because I am continually hearing, as I said last week, but continually hearing, and I've heard subsequent from this week to last, from last week to this week, more people either getting in contact with me or having conversations with them saying it's true. Justin Herbert is more valued within the NFL community than he is outside. And what you might see is let's say, for example, the Chargers trade to three they might not be trading for Tua. They might be trading for Justin Herbert because they actually know that Miami values Herbert, in inverted commas, that Miami values Herbert more than they value Tua. Whether or that's true or not, we don't at know. At least they've been told that. Yeah, yeah what, I'm learning, exactly. what I'm learning is that a lot of these front offices really value availability over maybe even mm. anticipation or athleticism. They want a guy that's going to be there day in and day out. And we all like Tua Tonga Bailoa and – we all have them. I'm pretty sure we all have them number one on our boards as far as quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But the guy has had a major injury, and he had two other surgeries that they were elective surgeries, but there were surgeries nonetheless. And it yeah. spooks NFL front offenses to have a guy limping out of games and for what is now two consecutive years. Availability is your best ability in competition. You can be the greatest player, the greatest competitor, but if you're not available, then yes. a team's going to have to go and find somebody else. And yeah. that, I think that's just a that's just a fact when it comes to this. So, mm -hmm. but but overall, I think there's an overarching element to this draft that we as fans and we're so inured about to. Her, but I genuinely believe that there is a pretty big groundswell of people within the NFL who value Justin Herbert more. The question is to why, and I suppose it goes back to prototypes. You know, the, there are, you know, a lot of scouts have been doing the job for a long time, and that you have a six foot six inch, two hundred twenty five pound, chiseled from a god, mm. incredible arm, incredible mm. intelligence quarterback. I mean, he fits everything that if you've been in the scouting community for two, then let's go back. Look, it's not that long. You know, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are the two outliers. Beyond that, it's only been three four years since teams have really started to engage with quarterbacks under the, you know, the size barrier, as it were. I mean, if you were to say 10 years ago that the, the, the two top tip, the two first overall picks would be five foot, ten and a half or whatever Kyler was and six foot flat. Mm -hmm. And if, and if two had stayed healthy, probably three, you know, three quarterbacks in a row who were under six foot one going first overall, you'd have been laughed out of the building. <laughs> so, you know, you look how long it takes the NFL to, to, prototypes mean an awful lot and he is well, the prototype i think that there i think you have to distinguish though because i've always i've always seen this there seems to be a difference or there seems to be a change that happens um between the scouting level and the scouts um and the general manager level of the nfl 
And I've always noticed this, that the, the scouts, the scouts are kind of sort of reading off the same textbook. I, I often feel like, you know, the, it's, it's, it's the same book that they all have. And that, uh, and it has to be this way. And so for, for some reasons, uh, important reasons um, around the NFL. And I think, yeah, they, they, they look at a guy like Justin Herbert and, you know, he's cut, he's cut from stone to be an NFL quarterback. And then they look at a guy like Tua Tungvaluwa, he's short, he doesn't have as good of an arm. You know, are, are you sure they're not going to rate him the same way? I think it's when you get to the general manager level that you start to see guy that you start to see people with a little bit better vision for how this is going to project and also people willing to go off book. You know, people willing to say, you know, Baker Mayfield is the number one quarterback out there or Kyler Murray is the number one quarterback out there or Cam Newton, go back a ways, um, is, is the number one quarterback out there. I think, that, uh, I think that when you get to the general manager, and that's why I, keep, I said this in private, I would be surprised if when all is said and done, when we get toward the, toward the draft, the actual draft when it comes out, you start to see like these, um, these anonymous or these, uh, these uh, surveys that happen. Um, Bob McGinn is famous for some. Yeah. He, he likes to collect uh, quotes from the scouts, and he's already published that. But toward the draft, he actually also publishes like, hey, I have asked 22 uh, executives, executives, general managers and executives uh, in charge of their teams to rate these players. And here's how many first place votes. Here's how many second, you know, and so on and so forth. And he gives a point system and, and rates the guys. I would still be surprised if when all of that is done, if, if somebody comes up with that, if Tua isn't a clear cut number two. Uh, behind Joe Burrow, uh, when when you start tallying the first place, second place votes among the actual general managers and executives, I know what the scouts are going to be tempted to say, and I know what the scouts are going to be tempted to eva- to to value, but I think when you get to the general manager, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, and just a little background on that because I was looking it up right now, and especially since he just signed with the Dallas Cowboys, but in 2014. I was expressly told that Haha Clinton Dix was the staff recommendation for the from the scouts, and they took Jawan James two picks right before Clinton Dix was taken. Clinton Dix has been available five times since then to the Miami Dolphins. They haven't bit any of those times, so it kind of tells you who really is in charge, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it, and when it comes to when it comes to the Dolphins anyway, you know, I, I said this before, Brian Flores is going to swing the big hammer, but it's also going to be Chris Greer's final decision. Um, so with a, with a chunk of Marvin Allen throwing it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be his board, but in the end, in the end, it's going to be, you know, Chris Greer giving the final say on who it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if even Marvin Allen's board has somebody say Justin Herbert above Tua Tonga Vailoa or something like that. And but the pick is Tua Tonga Vailoa because that's the guy that from a leadership standpoint and from a team building standpoint that Brian Flores really jives with. Um I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. You know, we're talking about the grading system where somebody has like a 
I don't, I forget what it's, what the grades are out of, but something like a 7.32 versus a 7.31 or something, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. it wouldn't be surprised me if the, in the end, the pick is the guy that Flores is most comfortable with. All right. To wrap up the, the quarterbacks, what were you saying, Simon? No, I was just going to say leader, you know, leadership, Absolutely. The, you know, the ability to sell shirts. You're not going to get that with Justin Herbert. You are going to get it with Tua. You're going to get a bit of, you know, you're going to make South Florida relevant, South Florida football relevant again if you draft Tua. Because, yeah. you know, how many, how many people in the NFL, how many players in sport generally are known by one name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it counts That's- for something that he is the star that he is. He doesn't court celebrity and he's not a celebrity per se, but. You know, when two is your quarterback, people are going to start talking about the Miami Dolphins again. People are going to start buying shirts. His name on that. All right, and to wrap up the quarterbacks, I think most of us have them taking another one either late or as an undrafted free agent. So we're basically talking about from 200 to 300 as far as the, the top prospects in this year's draft. Do you see them taking somebody in the six, Simon? Yeah, I, I, I think they'll double down and take somebody because I think they'll ultimately they'll probably get rid of. Um, I think they'll get rid of Josh Rosen. It wouldn't surprise me if they traded him. And I've said before that you know I think the Green Bay Packers will be a good landing spot f- for him. Um, I like Jake Luton. Um, I think he's somebody that I know that Dolphins have spent time going to see last season. The kid oh, out of Oregon State. He's big, six foot five, six foot six. Mm-hmm. 225 pounds. Um, I think he's a. Uh, I think he's an intriguing sort of developmental type. Good size. He's accurate. Um, he's a play action passer. You watch the games, and he does a lot of play action. Um, and I think he's. Um, I think he's a, a, a decent sort of like I said, decent late round developmental guy. Um, hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions. Um, I think it was six or seven over the last couple of seasons you know so he's um yeah i think he's uh i think he's an interesting guy with a decent arm nice touch on his throws uh he's somebody i like later on and chris i don't think they're going to use a pick on any on another quarterback um i think you know as an undrafted free agent they might look at some guys. I know I've heard that they've um, that they were sniffing around Eric Dungy, uh, formerly Syracuse quarterback, and uh, Jordan Tamu. Um, I think both of them were coming out off of the XFL, and I, I really wouldn't be surprised. Both of them, first off, the thing they have in common is that they they're very mobile, um, and I think that's important when you're looking at Chan Gailey, who uh, going all the way back to when he was here with the Dolphins in 2001 the thing he appreciated about Jay Fiedler was that he was you know you might not have been a greatest athlete as far as you know being like a 4-4 runner or something like that but he was quick twitch yeah. and um and he can move and I think that that's what Chan Gailey appreciated about him that's what he appreciates about Ryan Fitzpatrick you look at what he did in Kansas City with Tyler Thigpen you go all the way back to into Steelers days with uh, Cordell Stewart um he's always appreciated this about quarterbacks so you know if you're looking for the undrafted free agents and who Miami might be interested in that way I think you've got to look at those types um but also it could it could not be a quarterback from this class at all it could be 
from, you know, like I said, somebody like Tamu or if he hasn't already signed somewhere or, um, or maybe uh, Eric Dungey or something, somebody like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still on my guy, Khalil Tate from Arizona. Um, oh yeah. I, I'm, you you kind of talked me off the <laughs> talked me off of using a six round pick because I, the more I look at it and the more I watch these lists come out of the top five hundred prospects, the more he seems to drop, and there seems mm. to be a bevy of well known college players at quarterback late in this draft. You have the Nate Stanleys, the Shea Pattersons, all these guys, you know Montez, Steven Montez, all of these guys. I think are going to garner more attention than Khalil Tate. So Khalil Tate could be a a UDFA you could watch that yeah. could be a hot property because, you know, if I'm the XFL, this is a guy that can run. He could throw it through. A, he could throw it a mile. He's fun to watch. I think he could be a guy that the XFL could look at. You know, it's not just that he can throw, throw it a mile. It's, it's just, you look, you have to look at the way he throws the football. It's, it's a lot like, um, it reminds me of Jordan love the way he throws the football, especially on the move. Um, he's got a really good arm and, probably four or five speed. I, I don't know if he's been timed or not. Uh, I don't know if he's healthy or unhealthy or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I, he's, he's definitely uh, a guy to watch. And as, especially as an undrafted free agent, I, I think he'd be, he'd be right up what Chan Galley wants as sort of a developmental dude. All right. Now let's move on to running backs. Uh, most mocks, especially since, well, they did get, you know, they got Jordan Howard, but most mocks now have the Dolphins taking a running back in that first round. And the name that always seems to come up because they've been tied to him so much, including by us the first time in December, when I revealed that some elements inside the Dolphins really like JK Dobbins. And as it turns out, yeah, it's Eric Studsville who likes JK Dobbins a lot. That's the Dolphins running backs coach. Simon, is it as simple as J.K. Dobbins is who we have to watch for that pick 26, or you have other ideas? Um, I mean, I think you could throw a blanket over all of these guys, frankly, and I think you could, you could easily choose any one of the top five. Um, and by top five, I say DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers, not in that order, but I think you can make a fairly strong case for any of those five as being the, the guy. Um, I thought it was interesting that he got Dobbins in the door, uh, but then Studdersville ran the Jonathan Taylor Pro Day, the Wisconsin Pro Day. Um, I believe I, I'm led to believe that they're very high, both on Swift and Edwards Hilaire as well. Um, so, and I think you can make a strong case for any of them fitting, really. Uh, and if you said the Dolphins are going to draft Cam Akers. I wouldn't be surprised if you said they're going to draft J.K. Dobbins. I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to say they're going to draft. Edwards Hilaire wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think what they're looking for is somebody that can can you know factor into both facets of the game. You know, mm. uh, Taylor is not you know is the weakest in inverted commas in terms of in terms of you know catching the ball. Um, and I think you look at someone like Edwards Hilaire and DeAndre Swift, and, and they could potentially be Alvin Kamara types. Um, so it's, you know, and then you look at a guy like J.K. Dominic, for example, who just continues to show up massively in big games. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I really, you know, unless you really know what the Dolphins want, I think you can make a pretty strong case for all of them. I know we all pretty much like all of them for what they, 
they bring to the table. We've probably all got slightly different orders. I think I've got Swift one, I've got Edwards Hilaire two, Taylor three, Dobbins four, Akers five. We've probably all got a you know a slight variation on that, but you know I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. Frankly, um, I think they're all decent players, and I think you know, and it goes back to something I've said frequently is you know you look at someone like Jonathan Taylor, just don't overlook really good college players. Mm. because he's got he looks like a guy that'll just come in start from day one and really realistically with running backs you're talking about a four-year deal really and truly because you know teams are moving further and further and further away from paying you know making big money deals second contracts with players because the the, the downside it, you know guys are falling off cliffs pretty quickly um and so really you're looking at you know people talk about oh taylor's got a lot of yards on the clock and he does but realistically, you're probably only talking about four years. So I think they're all really good players. The way I have it, um, by the way, I have it, I have it nearly, nearly the same as you, except I do have Cam Akers above some of the other guys here. And that's where nice. I think um, I end up disagreeing with, with, um, with a lot of people. I, I, I do have DeAndre Swift, number one, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, number two. I think those are the guys I watch. And they excite a running backs really got to excite you. Right. Mm. I mean, you, mm. you've got to watch them and if, and they've really got to excite you because of what they can do while wow you with the football. I mean, they, they're the guys that handle the football most on the offense aside from the quarterback and I'm not counting the center. Um, so, you know, you want them to wow you with what they can do. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is electric. He's absolutely mm -hmm. unbelievable in the things that he does with the football in his hands. And DeAndre Swift is like that too. So I, th I, I think they deserve their spots at number one. Um, even though J.K. Dobbins is a solid player and he does show up, and I think Jonathan Taylor is a, is a solid player and he does show up um, as well. But the, the feeling I get from Taylor is actually he's, he is a physical specimen. He's a very good athlete. But I think that he uses that a little bit, um, and he plays. He plays kind of patient. Some people will say patient. Some people will say slow. Uh, he plays. He plays patiently because he knows that he can get bailed out with his uh, athleticism. And to me, I wonder if that's a lack of vision. Um, that he's being patient to try and aid his vision and and see things a little bit better. Um, whereas I think some other players might get away with playing faster because they have a little bit better vision. I like Cam Akers above Jonathan Taylor and, and, and J.K. Dobbins because I think he's got good vision. I think he really does excite me, and he makes things happen. He makes people miss. He, he breaks tackles a lot. Um, but either way, like you said, throw a blanket over these four players, uh, and, and I'm, I might even toss an extra guy in there to throw a blanket over and that's AJ Dillon of Boston College. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, if the Dolphins are valuing J.K. Dobbins, though, uh, Eric Studsville, they would probably also value Clyde Edwards Alaire. And that's because these guys are these, these are the only two among those that are not fumblers. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, did I say four of them? They're, they're five of those guys, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the two that are not fumblers. J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are the guys that don't fumble the football. DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers have some fumble, fumble history there. Um, yeah, especially recent, Jonathan Taylor, who has 18 oh, fumbles yeah. in three seasons. Oh, yeah. Like and all over 15 the of them. So. Yeah. 18, I mean, that's, 18 fumbles in 41 games. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? That's yeah. a lot. And, you know, Cam Akers has some, too, and, De and DeAndre Swift has some. I've got so, the numbers um, here. So DeAndre Swift has four. Taylor has 18. Yeah, not in his whole career. 
right? Oh, no, this is, yeah, sorry, this is 2020. So this was last season. Yeah. So, oh, no, no, this is career fumbles by top, by 2020. So Swift has four, Taylor has 18, Dobbins has three, Akers has nine. I had more than that. AJ Dillon has eight. Anyway, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I got a different, I got a, a completely different order than you guys. What, got, when you I'll, break it, when you break it down per carry, I think. Um, yeah, because yeah. yeah, I have I have seven for for Swift in this okay. career. Yeah, I got Dobbins, Taylor, Swift, Acres, Hilaire in that order, and I tend to Taylor value Swift. what what Taylor Swift. Right? <laughs> no, I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah, I got Taylor Swift. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> two three, but I tend to value the the home run hitters and. If there is a knock on Hilaire, is, yeah, he has a really good jump cut, especially in the hole, and he does press the hole. He's a smart runner, but you don't see the 80-yard run. Oh, you do, though. You do. You see, I, I don't think that's right. I've seen him run away from guys. You know, you see him run at the combine. He runs the four, low four, five, or high four, five, whatever it is. There's a, there was a game back in the last season where he just ran away from, from guys. I think it might have been Arkansas. And it was just like, it was back into the game and it, at home. And I just thought, you know, he's going to get caught. He's going to get caught. He's down the side, right sideline. He's, he's not getting caught. And he was running away from defensive backs. And he's just like, you know, which I, and I was, he's not quick, but he, he, you don't see a lot of people catching him from behind. Yeah. So, and, let me, and let me just say that when I, when I give a knock here, it's not that I'm saying that I hate the guy because I would gladly take Edwards Hilaire on my team. And I'd take him with a high pick too. So, but I also don't like, how much he seeks contact for a guy his size, a guy under 220 pounds. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think that that's a style that's going to, that's going to translate well to the NFL. I think it. he's asking for a lot of knickknack injuries. And that that's, part of, that's part of what makes him exciting too, is that, you know, he'll run you over. And he'll run through tackles. I just, mm. I'd, I'd rather see him avoid people, which he does well. You know, like I said, it's not a knock. I just like these other guys better. But, yeah, it's that's the only knock I could really put on Hilaire it, is it, I don't see him running away from people like Dobbins can and has. Looking at missed tackles, looking at missed tackles per attempt, mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you were to look at that, the, the guy who probably stands out above everybody um, – you know, in this draft, I mean, Travis Etienne stands out above everybody, mm-hmm. but he's not out. So forget that. Um, and he would have been my number one, by the way. Right. He would have been mine as well. Um, is Zach Moss of Utah. Um, I don't I don't have him rated that highly because I'm a little confused as to what he is because he's, yeah. he's, he's sort of wasn't. He's sort of a bigger player that doesn't play big at all. Like he doesn't play strong. No, and I think and and I didn't like that he came in hyped as he was going to run a really good time at the combine and then yeah. ran slow. So yeah, I mean, and, and I also don't think he's. He gets hurt. I don't think he's fast. He was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he just. But I don't he think he's fast. Like, he's like who's that player that used to play for the running back? He used to play for the Chargers. Um, You're not talking about how far back are you going here? 10, 12 years. Natron means? No, after. <laughs> no, that's... Anyway. Uh, you're, yeah, you're oh, um, Ladanian? No, God, no. God, no. I was going to say. He's just a guy that seeks out contact. I'll, I'll think of it before the end of the show. He's a guy that just seeks out contact. I just think that kind of wear and tear on his body. Mm. Um, I just, just not for me. 
But um, so I think that though, as you go down the list in this draft, Cam Akers is really high. He's 15th down the list of, you know, like 200 some odd running backs as far as uh, missed tackles per attempt, Um, as well as like he does really well in yards after contact, too. Um, And then you also you've also got Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's right there, 14 and 15. Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Cam, Cam Akers, really high. And then, of course, there's Lynn Bowden right behind them. He's the, the quarterback, yeah, you know, slash running back, slash, slash we don't know what he is. Yeah. He's, yeah, Randall, slash, he's Randall Cobb, kind of. Really. Yeah, I, I think of him as an Antoine Randall-L, personally. Um, yeah, yeah. Marion Butts, that's the guy. Mary, oh, God, Marion Butts. Butts. Wow, you, re, you really did go back. Wow. That's not done, <laughs> that's not done 12 <laughs> years ago, Simon. God, it just says how old I am. Yeah. When did God? And that was Jesus, nineteen ninety three. That was that was Tecmo Super Bowl, man. That was twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was no, that was a long time ago. Twenty five um, years ago. Christ. But I think I think those guys those guys grade out really well that way, and I tend to be impressed by that. I tend to be impressed by guys who can create missed tackles, who can create yards after contact, um, are really good elusiveness and you know great power and stuff like that and and that's why that's why I end up looking at Clyde Edwards Lair and Cam Akers a lot and maybe not so much Dobbins or Taylor because they don't do that as much as um hmm. as and you, have to, you have to remember about Akers as well high school player of the year you know the number one ranked player in the in the nation who played on a terrible team with bad coaching behind a terrible oh, offensive line yes oh um, it's blooper city it's Mate, it's, it's like awful. watching a cartoon so bad so bad and he's this type of guy where you just think could end up being rookie of the year because he's got so much talent yeah absolutely he's kind of slightly off the radar could run for 1500 yards and nobody would blink an eye because he's he really is that good and i've the dolphins have been talking to him i know that like yeah. a, a fair amount so they're on to him okay and wrapping up the running backs i think although i can't guarantee this but I think they're going to take one high because we've been talking about it and all indications are that they will take one high, but that room is still kind of barren. At the end of the draft, you might just still have two guys. So you might need a third. So who is it that you might like late in this draft, Simon, to fill out that running back one? There's a few guys I quite like. I really like, um, I really like LaMichael P. Ryan of Florida actually mm-hmm. um not fast catches the ball really well blocks well runs well never fumbled um not one fumble in college I, I really like him I think he's just a really solid player um I think if you look at, I, I think there's some value in DJ Dallas uh the local kid from Miami mm-hmm. who I think is the best um pass protecting running back in the draft and then a couple of other guys Joshua Kelly of UCLA who I know the Dolphins like Darrington Evans of Appalachian State um there'd be some guys I'd focus on uh late on yeah and th- those are basically all the guys that I like especially P. Ryan. P. Ryan <laughs> reminds me a lot of Mike Gillisley remember Mike yeah. Gillisley yeah so, I like P. Ryan and, a lot and DJ Dallas was just you know he was a favorite down here of course P. Ryan was another guy who showed up big time in big games absolutely yeah, Chris. Anybody you got your eye on? To fill well, up? I think that first off, first off, you're going to have to look at um, AJ Dillon, and because I'm, I don't really have a great sense for where the NFL has him. I think the NFL should have him high. Um, he's the Boston College running back. He is yeah. a monster, an absolute monster. Um, and if you look at him, you're you're kind of reminded a little bit of Derrick Henry in 
how powerful and how big and how monstrous he is. But remember, Derek Henry had that weird build that threw a lot of people off, right? Yeah. Um, like people, people didn't know some some people when they looked at Derek Henry it just didn't compute because of the way he was built. Um, AJ Dillon is not built like that. He's built just like a monster and like a running back. So I think that um, I'm not saying he's better than Derrick Henry because I was really, really high on Derrick Henry, but he is a monster like that. And I think that uh, wherever he goes is probably going to be a good pick. Um, The other guy that I look at for a real late round pick is Michael Warren of Cincinnati. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's another guy who creates a lot of missed tackles through his power. Um, He is a load bearing uh, running back for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And I've watched a lot of them because you, we've all talked about, um, you know, the quarterback that, that, uh, that we all, we all like there um, as well as the tight end, Josiah DeGuara. Um, Desmond Ritter's the quarterback's name. I was forgetting his name momentarily. Uh, but yeah, I've watched a lot of their football and Michael Warren, that was above all a running back driven offense when it's at its best. And it's, it's, he's the engine. Michael Warren was the engine and he came out this year. And I think that that's a really good pick. Other guys, you, you guys have named the ones that I like, um, whether it's Joshua Kelly or, or somebody like that. Um, but those are the ones I'd keep an eye on. I don't really have a great sense for them all, I think that Benny LeMay of Charlotte uh, mm-hmm. may be maybe somebody to look at too. Um, I like it's JJ interesting Taylor as well in Arizona. Yeah, um, it's it's funny actually how Charlotte has produced three guys this year that you actually kind of want to keep yeah. keep an eye on, right? Alex Highsmith, um, uh, Cam- Cameron Clark, Cameron Clark, Clark yeah, the left and, guard, yeah, and uh, Benny LeMay. So you can yeah, take, I, I think those. Although you can always take. Kellen Balage part two and Patrick Taylor of Memphis. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Because I don't think anybody so... wants Kellen Balage part two. Yeah. Patrick I... Taylor is so much like Kellen Balage, it's 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 uncanny. By the way, Chris, you were you were asking that you didn't know where the NFL would have AJ Dillon. I have in front of me the list from CBS Sports, their prospect ranking. They have uh-huh. traditionally been pretty damn close as far okay. as ranking their guys. And they got him as the 156th best prospect. Yeah, I mean, I was seeing draft network has him right about there too, and I think that's that's not right. I think he he should go higher than that based on his um, his monstrosity. And uh, I mean, he's 250 pounds at yeah. six foot zero, oh, and and he he runs. I mean, he is an athlete. <laughs> he can run. I mean, he can jump. He's explosive. Uh, he's everything. He's everything that you could, just about everything that you could want. All right. Now let's move on to wide receiver. And it really is a shame that, I guess it's not a shame. I guess it's a, it's a luxury that the Dolphins have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. And they have some guys around the edges, like Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, that they kind of like. But this is one hell of a free agent class. I mean, wide receiver class. And Simon, I don't see how they'll spend a top 100 pick on one, but it has to be tempting. Would it be tempting for you? Yeah, of course, because don't forget, you're expect- you know, Devontae Parker's really just coming off one year. Yeah. You know, it was a great year, but it was one year. Preston Williams was an undrafted free agent coming off a, uh, you know, a torn ACL. You've got questions over Jakeem Grant as much as we like him, but, you know, can he stay healthy? 
We've got questions over Albert Wilson, who hasn't been healthy, started to look really good the last two or three games of the season, but carries a big cap number. Then you've got Isaiah Ford, you know, kind of roster bubble, just a guy. Mm. You've got Alan Hearns, got the contract, but essentially... Just a guy. Yeah, Yeah. just a guy. You know, so uh, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they'll look to... To, to do that and I you know I've seen people you know I saw Daniel Jeremiah give Miami Henry Ruggs in the first round of his recent mock draft so you know if you're drafting Tua then you know you're going to want to give the guy weapons it's why obviously we're talking about getting a you know a really good running back well I'm not sure that we're 100% set at the wide receiver position e- either I don't think you'd necessarily see a first round pick given that you could make an argument that 20-25 wide receivers would go in the first three three and a half rounds it's that mm. good a class mm. um and you're going to get guys in the third round that you probably get borderline first round in most other years there's some really good talent out there so you know i've got it judy at one lavisca chanot at two cd lamb at three justin jefferson at four rugs at five but i could make a case for god you know brandon ayuk michael pitt jesus you stole you stole me i had i had that exact that, that exact ranking you're oh, such an yeah. asshole oh sorry dude <laughs> and you know a guy I love and I've loved for a long time Jace Prochet at, at, at SMU um, John Hightower at Boise there's a lot of really good receivers I think in this draft that um, but you look at a guy like Judy you know absolutely elite route runner LaVisca Chenault you can you know God what a creative offensive coordinator could do with him a guy that can play inside outside runs much faster than he did at the combine because of the injury can go up and get mm-hmm. the ball can play quarterback can play wildcat quarterback can play running back He's just an absolute phenomenon. CeeDee Lamb, just brilliant after the catch. Justin Jefferson's the, you know, if Jerry Judy's number one route runner, Justin Jefferson's 1A, just, you know, moved inside. Joe Brady moved into the slot this year. And he's just so good at finding open areas in the zone. And Ruggs is, you know, he's an absolute, you know, he's an absolute burner, but he's more than just a burner as well. Um, so I just think there's some great receiver talent in this draft. And I think you're going to find that into the third, into the fourth. And, but you're going you're gonna to end up getting starting receivers in the fifth and sixth round because mm. you know, that's just how good it is. You know, T, we haven't even talked about T. Higgins, for God's sake. You know? No. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think that the, the first round, for me, the first round, the only guys I would consider there um, to, for taking in that round would be Jerry Judy uh, and CeeDee Lamb and LaVisca Chenault and, or Jerry Judy, to be exact, LaVisca Chenault and then C.D. Lamb. But you know, I could go back and forth between C.D. and, uh, and LaVisca a little bit, uh, to be honest, because I, I, I got to be sensitive to the injury issues with LaVisca. I mean, he's, he's got an injury history. He, he, even, he couldn't even get through the combine and not get injured. Um, so I think, that, uh, I think that it's fair. Uh, he is a monster. I think that you would like the three guys for, for different reasons. To me, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy are more ready um, to play in the NFL and run routes and and really um, play off of leverage in the NFL right away. I think LaVisca Chenault is just a monster, an yeah, absolute monster. And, uh, and I think that he could be the best of all of them down the road somewhere. But um, but looking at the way Jerry Judy runs, he just play he just plays at a different speed. His foot contact is so solid, and he plays in such control of everything. His speed, his um, his his change of direction, his gearing is wonderful. Ceedee Lamb's gearing is wonderful too. I like his um, feet. Uh, he has very light feet, and it's something yeah. you want to see in, in wide receivers. Jerry Judy has it. Ceedee Lamb not so much. Even though I have Ceedee well, Lamb I, as I think the number he does one too. wide receiver. 
Really? I think he does too. I think he's, I think he, he has good, he has good balanced, he has good balanced foot contact, I think. Um, and, mm-hmm. and good, good, excellent, excellent control of his gearing and control of his speed. And what I think both of them where they, where they both, um, separate themselves from other players is their eyes and how much they can see and how quickly they can see it and how quickly they can play off of it. And I think that goes for CD lamb. You really see that in him after the catch um, where he's, where he's cutting against the grain, you know, at exactly the right moment, very quickly. Um, and, and, and so you, you look at him, these guys just blow by him and he creates angles that you might not have even seen just as from an overhead view. Um, oh, sorry. Nice <laughs> sorry. So, uh, yeah, I think that you see that in CD after the catch, but you also see it before. You also see it during the route. Like, he, he, can, he can see defensive back leverage and play off of it, and I think that uh-huh. that's what makes him special. I think that Jerry Judy is the same way. Um, and I think Little Biscuit Chenault is just like the monster, and the monster, you got to say something with it because the monster sometimes becomes uh, – what's his name? Uh, Mike, um, the guy in uh, Tampa Bay. Um, oh, Evans. Well, Mike Evans. So I, I adored him coming out because he was just a monster. And I think that sometimes the monster becomes Mike Evans. So, um, so that's why I have those three guys there. I think that Justin Jefferson is a really good wide receiver. Uh, and he obviously a slot specialist and he can play really well. And he had a huge combine. Sure. And, and he, he does, I mean, he plays, he plays pretty, pretty fast and he can run pretty well. Um, I don't know if he's special or not uh, as far as just the talent that's there, um, how fast he plays and stuff like that. I think that he's just such a guy. He's dependable. Mm-hmm. And because imagine, of that, him in, imagine him in New Orleans in the slot. Right, there. exactly. You know, and, you know, he's dependable. You can plug him right in. And to me, that makes him kind of the lead of the second rounders, really, the the way I would have it. Um, then you've got like Denzel Mims and Jalen Ragor and KJ mm-hmm. Hamler and Brian. I love I, Brian Evans and Rugs. I would Rugs. I would put ahead of Rieger. Uh, yeah, um, me too. Uh, Rager, uh, and and that's because I think that you can tell with Rugs. I mean, it's legit speed, right? Oh. <laughs> like there's I mean, there's speed and then there's he yeah, destroys there's speed and then angles. there's Rugs. There's he Rugs. Destroys pursuit angles. He's not yeah. special like Tyree Kill or some somebody like who's also that fast. Um, not it's not like that, but you know it's. Gosh, it reminds you a lot of like a Brandon Cooks though. At he's, least, yeah, he's not John Ross though either. Yeah, no, he's not John Ross either. He's more right? nuanced. I, yeah, so he's a little bit more nuanced, and it does remind me of Brandon Cooks. I think. Um, it, but I think Jalen Rager goes a little bit behind him because. The feeling I got from Rager, even though he looks really good and he plays really well, and, and I know that he can jump a mile and he can really is, is that he was victimizing some pretty poor, um, you know, some pretty Corners. poor competition. And so I think that when he gets that bump up and he's got, and what did he run like four four seven at the combine or something no, like that? Slowed. Yeah, and he's he's not the rugs speed. Like <laughs> he's not there, um, which is fine. They don't all have to be. I just, uh, I just don't get the feeling that he's going to come out there blowing everybody away right away. And then he's going to, going to have the big step up in competition. And I wonder how that's going to work out. The, good thing, for him, the good thing for him though, is he, he's going up against Jeff Gladney every day in practice. He's right. He's going to get more out of that than he almost did in any game that he played for TCU all season long because Gladney's right. an absolute stud. 
sure. Sure. But I mean, yeah, he got some out of that, but I don't know that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it works out because we haven't seen how that went. <laughs> so, um, and then T Higgins, you know, T Higgins, I always thought of as being a little bit overrated. I mean, I don't know how you guys have felt, felt about it. Uh, now we're starting to get for me kind of in the third roundish area. Um, because with a guy like T Higgins, I think that you can almost take like an Antonio Gandy golden and it's, it's similar, or you could take a, a Brian Edwards of, um, of South Carolina and it's similar, you know, or, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, not quite the same as, as, um, as those other guys. But I, I think that there's some similarities there. Uh, but the guy who separates in the second round for me that I would almost want to put at the top of second round is Tyler Johnson. I really love him. Yeah, he is nice. such a great wide receiver in every aspect of the game to me. And I look at what he did against Auburn. He absolutely dominated them. He's a great zone guy. I mean, he clearly, he clearly, he can see everything and sit down in between zones and do a lot of damage that way. But I think he's also a good, good uh, against man coverage too. And, and I think that he's, you know, he didn't run and he's probably not, all that fast no. but i would still look at him in that second round area and and take him fourth highest yeah. yards per route versus man coverage in the wide receiver mm. class and lanzerline and lanzerline has his comparable as aj brown yes please right yeah right <laughs> now, i don't now, think that quite gets it like no. you know nails what he is well yeah. maybe he's not he's, he's not that he's big and big powerful right now. It's not, no he's, 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 but I, well, he's I think, over 200 you know, he, pounds he's pushing almost 208 pounds and when you say that he did so much damage against man, it, what's funny about that is when you look at him, you're looking at him and you're kind of like, this is a guy who threatens to only be good against zone actually in the NFL level because, you know, because you're wondering if he's got the physical goods to consistently beat man coverage. But I think he does. I think in the yeah. end he does. I think Johnson separates because he's he's nuanced as a route runner and he's nuanced mm -hmm. as a, a as a mover. I don't think he's ever going to run away from people, but I, I think he'll get underdrafted because people think he can't run. And then when he gets in the NFL and he catches fifty five balls as a rookie and ten touchdowns, and everybody's like, "Oh wow, you know, we really yeah. overplayed the fact that he can't run." Well, he can get exactly. open in a phone. He can get open in a phone booth. Yeah, and I think he belongs in that second round area, right up there with like Justin Jefferson or somebody like that. Now, let me ask you about this, this guy, because I've been watching him since he first stepped on a, on a field for Penn State, and that's K.J. Hamler. Every time they measure him, he gets smaller and smaller. <laughs> Every time he talks, he keeps saying he's faster and faster, but he never runs a 40 anywhere. <laughs> I think these are huge turnoffs for me. Are they turnoffs for you, Simon? No, I don't think so. I think he's the, the – is the def walking definition of a home run hitter for me. He is an absolute, you know, every time I see Penn State play, the thing for me is he's got to stay healthy. But I think he's got incredible explosion off the ball. You know, uh, I don't think he needs to run a 40 because he's just got electric. You just watch him, I mean, he just runs away from corners. I think he can beat coverage by a number of means, either flat out flying or the fact that I think his in-route speed is really good. He doesn't slow, he doesn't slow down as a route runner. Um, and I, I just think if he's healthy, he can score from anywhere on the field. And I just don't know that – I just don't think you can undervalue guys like that. I mean, I think he's a pure slot guy, but he can move him around. 
I, th- I just think he's a really, really good player. Hmm. And Chris? Well, I, I, guys that are that small, you better be super duper fast. Yeah. Like, and, um, he and he is. But do we know? I mean, <laughs> well, he um, keeps telling everybody that he runs sub 4 3. And he was yeah, made well, the favorite that, by Bovada to win. I, I, I tell everybody I run sub 4 3, too. Yeah, that's, where I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, he was made the favorite by Bovada to, to have the best 40 time at the, at the combine. And then he did an interview where he said he guaranteed he was going to run sub 4 3. The combine came around and he said he tweaked his hamstring and he couldn't run. He's done that three times already. He refused to run at a pro day also. So, like, what's that about? I'm smelling yeah. that he runs 4-5, and he doesn't want anybody well, to see it, especially since he's less than 160 pounds. There's zero there's, chance he runs 4-5. I mean, you just have to watch the guy. There's no I, way he runs 4-5. I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that because I think that these – there's. So there's a perception thing with these small guys with these short legs that they're always that they're always running a little bit faster than they um, than they actually are, and you know when I watch him, I'm watching guys, I'm watching guys gaining on him, you know, from from behind, and and if you're if you're Henry Ruggs, that's not happening, you know, um, I I don't remember that ever happening with Henry Ruggs. I I unless if you're that small, I have to see it. Like I have to see it. He's not making those angles disappear the way that I expect somebody with rugs speed to do. And so I have to see it. I have to see it, you know, and if I don't see it, then, and that's where this, this whole COVID situation with no pro days and stuff like that has really screwed some things up. And I know that we've talked about it last week that the NFL are like, or NFL teams are receiving videos and they're like, unless we've seen it personally, we're, we're, we're throwing it out because you don't know if that's a 39 yard dash or, you know, or, or you can even do clever things with the, um, the frame rate and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, so you never know. Um, so John Reed, who was the safety that, that um, played at Penn state said that. Um, and he would put him on his, uh, his uh, relay four by one. Right? Yeah. And he said that because Reed ran a four by a four, four and said that, that KJ was a sub four, four. And said that KJ was faster than him, and said that KJ had run a four twenty seven. Now the Penn State track is very fast, but nevertheless, yeah, yeah. Well, I love those, the player. I, those, love I, the I run a four twenty seven at, at <laughs> campus. College tends to turn into a four 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 at the NFL Combine somehow. I love like the I, player. I just don't like that he keeps he keeps getting smaller each time they measure him, and he will never he never he never runs the forty. He never wants. If they to put run a, the 40. Put a sausage sandwich on someone's back and get them to run down the road. I could run a four-two as well, chasing off. <laughs> All right, that wraps up the the wide receivers, and I don't think we're gonna spend too much time on this position. Tight ends. I don't think it's a particularly great group. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, Am I wrong, Simon? No, it's a really bad group. I think it's the worst group in the in the draft this year. Frankly, it's the weakest position in the draft, and, and actually by some distance, I thought they struggled generally at the senior bowl. Nobody really stood out at the combine. I thought Adam Troutman was probably the best of a bad bunch. I thought he, yeah. I actually thought I thought he performed pretty well in Mobile, um, especially despite his inexperience against that kind of top level talent. Um, I think he's pretty athletic. He's pretty fluid. He can block pretty well. And then it's just a bunch of guys, really. I mean, 
Cole Komet is, you know, he's emerged off the book because he's got this intriguing skill set. People trying to talk him up as though he's Jimmy Graham, but it's kind of <laughs> his skill set outweighs his actual production. I mean, the number of catches he has, you know, he lacks that kind of dynamism, but he's big and he can, you know, he's gangly. I, I like Thaddeus Moss. I, I love the bloodlines. I love what he did at LSU, obviously, as a move tight end, but actually I think he's got some ability as a blocker as well. I think you can see he just needs a little bit of refinement. His hands tend to get a little bit too far outside, so I think he's going to get called for holding quite a bit. And then, you know, Bryson Hopkins of Purdue, Albert O. I mean, he runs, you know, he ran a 4-4. So, you know, he's clearly going to be a scene threat, but he's not, you know, there's always been that knock against him that he's not tough. And we drafted one of those in Michael Agnew. Um, and look what happened there. So, you yeah. know, that would be a concern uh, about him. Um, the, the kid I like, Chris and I have talked about, we've all talked about it, is Shea CJ O'Grady. Um, a bit of a head case, but he's an absolute monster when he's got the ball in his hands. And, you know, if he's right, if his head's right, it's mm-hmm. a big if. Um, but, with a, you know, you've got a team that's got 14 picks, you know, and I think he did a really good job of, uh, apparently, of kind of allaying team uh, concerns a little bit. Um, at the combine and stuff, but um, you know, I think he's well worth a punt in the late rounds. Um, but it's not a great group for me. Yeah, I was looking at it uh, myself, and I just couldn't bring myself to get excited about this group. And I kind of did like uh, Colby Parkinson of, of Stanford, but then I saw Gil Brandt say that he's a early day two pick, and I'm out. <laughs> I'm out for for that. I don't. Yeah. I, I just wouldn't spend the pick. So I don't know. What do you see, Chris? Is there anything you like? Parkinson too. I looked at Parkinson too, and I, I just, yeah, there are things I like. It's just I, I don't like the class, um, yeah. and I think that uh, for all the reasons that Simon said. But what I would add to it is like when my favorite guys in the class are all sort of mid, late round pick, undervalued types, then it's not a good class. You know, yeah. Adam Troutman is. Adam Troutman, I think, is legitimately good. Um, I think that if you're going to make a name for yourself in the NFL as a tight end nowadays, it's going to be because you're doing pretty well as a as a receiver. And yeah. Adam Troutman can receive the football. I mean, he is he's got great hands and and he can run. And um, and I think that that's where he stands to make an impact. But after that, it's like, yeah, I really like Harrison Bryant, for example, of Florida Atlantic. You know, I think that he was absurdly productive for the college level. College, it's sort of disappearing. Production out of the tight end position is disappearing in college, but he was very productive at the college level. He can play in line. Um, he's big, you know. I think he can play. Yeah, I like Josiah DeGuara. Um, He's a little bit of a smaller H-back type, though. Uh, a smaller H-back type that doesn't have, like, Dallas Clark speed, you know. Um, so... And then Cheyenne O'Grady, who is a head case and not particularly fast. Um, he's just a guy that, for a six foot four, 250 pounder, kind of reminds you a little bit of the, the way that I thought Travis Kelsey in college had a certain way about him and the way that he was able to bully people around physically Mm. and and i don't just mean blocking i mean like you know in the receiving game and after the catch and and stuff like that um cheyenne o'grady when when i get excited about him that's what i get excited about and it's not because he's a great blocker Uh, he's you know he's really kind of a middling blocker it's it's not about that um it's about what he can do in the passing game by being a physically dominant force 
And I think that uh, he does have some athleticism, but he's kind of like a really poor man's Travis Kelsey. So it's not like we're talking about Travis Kelsey here. He's um, been Josiah as well. Yeah, he's been suspended three times. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's the head case part of it. So um, Josiah DeGuar, I, I think, is, you know, he might end up being the best in the class, in, in my opinion. And I know that um, some NFL teams are really getting on to him lately. But I think he came to the school as a wide receiver and he came out like six foot three, 245 pounds as a, as a tight end. So he's got receiver skills. Um, he was a go-to for Desmond Ritter. If you watched a lot of Desmond Ritter, you know that he was just kind of his safety blanket. Um, so you like that. And, and he's, he's the guy that, you know, I, I still go back to it and chase young, whatever you think of chase young, Josiah DeGuara could handle him, you know, and, mm-hmm. and as a, as a blocker. So, um, you know, he's just an all around player. And yet at the same time, you're like, well, dude, you're six foot three and 245 pounds. And what are you like? You're in the solidly in the four sevens or something like that. Mm. It's, it's not like that we're talking about a premier premier player. So overall, you know, I would go, I would go and look at those types of players. The, um, the uh, Harrison Bryant, Josiah DeGuara, maybe CJ O'Grady um, Troutman. You're not going to probably get a, uh, your hands on because he's going to go fairly early, but it's, it's not going to excite me. Your thoughts on Colby Parkinson? I asked you to look at him a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't know what he is. I mean, it, right? he's he's not he's not a great blocker, um, and and yet he's, he's just like giant. He's yeah, he's big. He's six foot seven, and and he's um and he's he's a giant, but he's kind of stiff, and he's not really running away from anybody. You, you watch him and and man coverage and uh like his hands are clean though his hands are really clean. yeah his hands are clean but i mean you watch him do those switch routes and stuff like that and and he's got a guy in man and it's not even a fast guy in man and it, and it's just like easily keeping up with him and it's like oh he's not really pressing anybody here um so i you know durham smith if we looked at yeah we don't even think that highly of him right but <laughs> no. but he had good hands he had yeah. good hands and and he could catch the ball in, in traffic uh, he's not going to run away from anybody. Do you know what? Yeah. And he's a good Parkinson's, blocker. Kobe Parkinson's spark number is. His what? His spark number. Oh spark no! Number. <laughs> well, if Cole Komet is seventy-seven point four, have a guess what Kobe Parkinson's is. Um, forty something. No, I don't. I don't really know Spark that well. But eighteen. Eighteen. Nice. One eight. Wow. Oh, Harrison Bryant. Well, I mean, is, look at it. Harrison Albert Brown O fourteen point seven. Albert O is the guy, right? Yeah. That's that's the he's, he's a spark beast. He's a yeah. spark beast, and yet he's way down the board because nobody likes him. Yeah. Well, before we move on to sexier positions, I know it's hard to to think of the offensive line as sexy, but it is this year, especially for the Miami Dolphins. I saw this this prop bet, and I forgot to ask you guys this question. We had just spoken about the wide receivers. Over or under, Simon, 18 wide receivers taken in the first 100 picks? Uh, un, uh, oh, there'll be more than 18 in the first 100, definitely. More than 18? Okay, Chris? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Um, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say over for whatever reason. Copycat. Okay. I'll take the over too. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I, I should have set up on the opposite side of Simon. I'm, I, I, I blew that one. Screwed that up, mate. Yeah. All right. Offensive tackles. There's a big four, Simon. Okay. Yeah. There's a big four, but there's, you know, 
Uh, and I've got, we've all got, again, it's like running backs, we've all got it slightly differently. I've got Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wurst, Mackay Beckton, Andrew Thomas. But I could make a case for Thomas. I went back and watched some, some Isaiah Wilson, and you just get drawn to Andrew Thomas, especially in the run game, because he's an absolute monster. Absolutely. Um, I like Wills. You look at his Auburn film, I thought it was the best film that I saw pretty much of an offensive lineman. Lucas Niang against Ohio State two years ago, or the year, yeah, the year before last, was phenomenal one on one with Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and, and, um, Draymond Jones throughout the game absolutely just destroyed the three of them um, to the point where they just moved moved Bosa to the other side because he just couldn't handle it. Um, you know, but then I think you've got a second level of guys. You've got Josh Jones of Houston, who we all like. You've got Niang I just talked about. You've got Ezra Cleveland, who we've talked about on the WhatsApp. And, you know, he's a guy that needs to get stronger and probably needs to just speed up and just be a bit less functional. He's got good feet and, you know, awful against Florida State. But, um, you know, Clearly, as well, like Matthew Peart, who we all like at UConn. Then there's Austin Jackson, who to me looks mm. like a third rounder, but you know, you keep hearing that he could go in the first round. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a good group. I think it's an interesting group. I think there's some interesting players there. Um, and you go right the way down, like somebody like Sadiq Charles at LSU, who's had some serious off field issues, but is a really good player. Jack Driscoll at Auburn, um, you know, was going to go at the Senior Bowl and, uh, and was injured. Um, but I know, I know that Jim Nagy really liked, uh, you know, the scouts that worked with uh, Jim Nagy were big fans of Driscoll. And Chris and I have talked about him. You know, he looks like an st- instant starter at, at right tackle. So there's good players there. There's really good players. And even like, you've got guys like Ro- you know, Robert Hunt, kids that can probably kick inside to guard the, Louis- the Louisiana guy. It's a really good class, I think, of tackles. Chris? Yeah, I think that, you know, just to echo. For, so first off, the the left tackle right tackle thing is that sort of needs addressing because Andrew Andrew Thomas is a left tackle. Makai Becton has been a left tackle, but he's played right tackle before. Yes. Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs are both right tackles. Um, yeah. Josh Jones is a left tackle. So so the left tackles for sure are Josh Jones and Andrew Thomas. Makai Becton, I you're sort of you're sort of wondering whether which one is his best position. I mean, if he really is uh, sort of an analog to um, to the the guy who was with what was the, what was his name that was with the Patriots for a year and got paid out in Oakland. Nate Solder. Um, no, Trent Brown. Trent Brown. Yeah, Trent Brown. If he really is an analog with Trent Brown, you know, is he going to move over to the right side just like Trent Brown did? He's six foot seven, three hundred sixty nine pounds. It's certainly. Trent Brown, uh, right tackle looking kind of guy. Um, the, the left tackles are Josh Jones and Andrew Thomas and the left tackles are honestly not as good as some of the right tackles. Um, I, I like Andrew Thomas. I like him a lot, but is he, as a left tackle in this business in the NFL, you make your, you make your bones by being a great pass protector. No, I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And Andrew Thomas is, is a good pass protector. Is he a great pass protector? I don't know. Um, is he like a Ronnie Stanley? Uh, I don't know. Um, so we'll we'll see. I think actually the best pass protector between the two at left tackle and therefore might end up being known somehow one way or another as the best tackle in out of this draft is probably or could be Josh Jones. Mm-hmm. I think that he's he's legitimately good. I'm really confused by him because he wasn't as good the year before last. And he's, you know, rarely do you see a guy just be a different player. Um, usually they make you know one or two little improvements and and some it starts to work out 
uh, and they become more productive or they get better stats or something like that. He had some coaching but, turnover that I think yeah, helped. Well, he's, he's had some major coaching turnover oh. the entire time at, uh, at Houston. Um, so, you know, he, he was a different player this last year. And, and then you're like, well, yeah, but he faced really crap competition. But he did so well. Yeah, he did really, really well at the Senior Bowl, too, though. So on tape, he looks like the best left tackle to me as far as pass protection goes. Um, but the best player is Tristan Wirfs to me uh, at Iowa. And that's, that's a right tackle. I think that he should be the first one off the board. And, uh, and I think that... I think that the Dolphins would be really lucky to get a hold of him, especially if they have Tua Tungavailoa and you're sort of agnostic on whether your best tackle is your right tackle or your left tackle. We've talked about that in the past, how it's not a slam dunk that your right tackle is suddenly the blindside guy and needs to be your best one because we've looked in the, you know, we looked at the past and Boomer Esaias and, and he had, um, what's his name, uh, at left tackle. Munoz. Yeah. Anthony Munoz. And, you know, we've looked at other guys that had that really great left tackles. Steve um, Young and Steve Wallace. And- yeah. Mark, Mark Brunel, you know, and, yeah. and so, um, Tony Baselli. So yeah, I think that uh, it's not a slam dunk whether you want your right guy, your right tackle, or your left tackle to be your absolute best guy. So I'd like them to be open at that number eighteen spot. Whoever they're going to get, it's got to be the best one. But I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with Josh Jones. Um, I think that you brought up Lucas Niang, who's a good candidate as as a right tackle. I love Matthew Parrott, uh mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that he's a he's a really good a really good player deserves to be in that second round maybe in maybe in bottom of the first round um, area. I think that uh, Sadiq Charles should be in that area by all rights. It's just that he you know has the history. Head case. Yeah, head case. Uh, it's he's like a guy, talking. Uh, the Dolphins have Dolphins have spent a lot of time. You know, one of the four or five teams that have been most interested in him. Um, and they should, so, yeah. because mm. think, think about it this way. You don't get left tackles after the first round usually, right? I mean, no. it's, um, yeah. it, and, and yet this is a guy that could play left tackle that you can get after the first round. So you're looking at, say, if in the first round, say they do get their hands on a, a right tackle uh, first before they're able to get a left tackle. Well, Sadiq Charles is the guy that you can go ahead and take and might have a chance of being that left tackle for you some, sometime later. Um, so yeah, you figure that one out because the, the stakes are high with him and he's a really good player a very, very athletic, very athletic, um, for that left tackle spot. So I, I think I, I, that's the way I have it. Um, you know, I, Makai Becton, we've talked about a lot. I don't know if your opinion, Simon, has, has your opinion changing on him at all? Because I, I keep bringing up he didn't really set back in pass protection that, that often. Yeah, that's the one concern. Protection. That's the one concern because you tend to get – because he's such a kind of planet theory guy, you tend to just get overwhelmed by – especially when he's pulling and moving and just crushing people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but you I'll don't tell you, I'll tell you one thing. It's, NFL pass sets from him. Yeah, I think right. it's really Come impressive up. to watch him on film, and when he gets out moving, he doesn't miss people. He actually mm-hmm. finds people to hit, and that's usually a trait that these giant guys don't have, and he has it. Well, he um, moves his feet for a six foot seven mm, and three hundred seventy yes, pound. Absolutely, pound like now, he moves his feet better than Trent Brown does. 
Now, I was going to ask, let me ask both of you this. Uh, in all my mock drafts, I don't see any of the big four getting to 18. So naturally, if you want one of them, you're going to have to move up from 18. Now, I contend there's two teams, the Browns and the Jets, that I think are going to be intransigent, okay, at their spots. They're not going to give you their pick because they're going to want one of these tackles. So I think it's even harder to move up from 18 to get one of these tackles than it is to move from five to one. Do you agree, Simon? Um, I, it just depends who the trade because you know you go look. Let's take a team like Tampa picking at fourteen. I mean, the Buccaneers are going to want to tackle. Do you know what I mean? And they could be a mm. team that help moves, Brady. I just think, yeah, to help Brady. I mean, uh, the interior of that line in Tampa is nice. You know, with um, the guy that used to be the centre at um, Baltimore, and then um, obviously the left guard, who's one of the best young players, best kind of most under Ali Marpet. Um, you know, and so I think they'll they'll be looking to um, they'll be looking to move up, because Demar Dotson's a free agent. Donovan Smith hasn't been great, um, so that you know they're a team that will be in the mix. I just think the Dolphins, you know, unless you're you know potentially looking to move from eighteen to ten, eleven maybe, um, then you know what are you giving up to do that? Are you giving up a first rounder to do that? You probably are. So the question is for the Dolphins whether or not. You know, you stay at 18, you get yourself a Josh Jones, or do you give up potentially a first-round pick to move up to whichever tackle then falls to 9, 10, 11 because you want to get they want to get in front of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we shall see. But I would be surprised if one of those top four was still there. I don't know if the top four – to me, it's not. it's never been a top four. It's always been a top five anyway with the, the tackles because I think I include Josh Jones in there, and I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be probably available at 18. So I would say why trade up? I mean, Tristan Wirfs would make me – would be the only guy that would make me tempted um, because I think that he is so potentially special. Um, but – why trade up when I'm just going to name off guys and we've already done this, but just name off guys aside from Josh Jones, even you can still get a hold of Matthew Parrott. You can still get a hold of uh, Lucas Nyang. You can still get a hold of Sadiq Charles. You can still get a hold of Ben Barch. Okay. We haven't Ooh, talked about him. Good player. Um, we can, st- you can still get a hold of Ezra Cleveland, a guy you mentioned, Jack Driscoll, um, who I was just, he did by the way, uh, participate in the shrine game. Did and yeah, and he was, um, I mean, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, he went up he went up against uh, one of the most uh, productive pass rushers in the country um, in uh, Derek Tusk of uh, mm. North Dakota State during the game, and um, who tested pretty well and not too bad, by the way. Um, and he just he just looked like he. I always watch him, and I think of, not to get off on a rant about Jack Driscoll, but he reminds me a little bit of, of Mitchell Schwartz. Um, and that, yeah. I think that he just he just handles his business really really well at all times and knows exactly what he's doing and um, and yet at the same time when he has to reach for some of that athleticism to really kick back with a uh, you know with some force to um, to handle a guy that's got some speed he has it at, he actually has it he's a pretty good athlete uh, so I think that he's one to watch but yeah when you can get a hold of any of those guys then why are we giving up those picks to trade up for um for one of for for somebody like Andrew Thomas or Mackay Beckton or even you know Jedrick Wills as much as I like him um 
you know, Tristan Wirfs would is the only guy that would make me personally think about it. But even so, like, just just sit yeah. tight, take a couple of tackles. You're going to make your team better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Now, if the Dolphins played a game tomorrow, they're not going to play a game tomorrow. And quite frankly, they can't. But if they were to play a game tomorrow, there will be nobody standing there at right guard because they actually don't have one on the roster, really. Okay. Jesse now, Davis. Uh, well, he's the right tackle right now. No, he's not really, though, is he? <laughs> he's yeah. not really anything, is he? <laughs> By the way, just on Jack Driscoll, 1,690 pass block snaps, four quarterback hits, no sacks. I mean, he's, he's a he's he's a really underrated player. He's he's really good. Um, I think a lot of people are surprised when they, I was surprised. I looked at him. He, he didn't in practices. I just you know this isn't an eyeball test guy. Um, just a flat so out good player. He's just flat out good player. Yeah. So like I was saying, if they played a game and they're not, but if they were, there'd be nobody standing there at right guard. Unless you're going to plug in Jesse Davis, but then you have a big hole at right tackle. And you got to think they got to draft a right guard or a right tackle in this draft to start because this offensive line is essentially barren as of right now. Simon, what do you like as far as guards that fit that mold? I mean, to me, the best guard, the best guard in the draft, but it comes with a huge uh, exclamation mark or whatever it is is Nate Muti of Utah um, I, a huge asterisk I think he is a phenomenal talent when he's when he's healthy the question is that can he stay healthy I mean he's played 18 games in four years which suggests that no he can't stay healthy but I think and I don't say this lightly he has a Larry Allen type skill set when he is fit and firing um, uh, the, I've never know, seen anybody guys, sustain their blocks as long as he no, does and as consistently no I mean, to me, uh, Jonah Jackson played one year at Ohio State at Rutgers the year before, uh, three years before, can play left, right side. I think he's just a really smooth, really good player. Um, I think Damian Lewis is a pure right guard, an absolute mauler, big, nasty, knows how to finish. I like John Simpson at, at Clemson, a ton of experience, 2,000 snaps for Clemson, just a really good power mover. I really like Robert Hunt as well, who can play inside, outside. And the scout said to me that he reminds him of a, a sort of a more raw Lyle Collins. Um, I know he played right tackle, but could kick inside. Um, I, I just There's just some, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at Cameron Clark, a guy that we talked about, um, Kevin Dotson's another guy that I really like. Clark at Charlotte, Dotson at Louisiana. Danny Pinter at Ball State is a guy that I think can play guard, can play center. Um, a little bit undersized, but is a you know is a really powerful kid. Uh, I just again, I just think the offensive line is real. You know, the Dolphins need help, and I think they can potentially make hay all across the offensive line because there's some really good players here. Okay, now let me ask you this before we move on to Chris. 18 months ago, I always like to do this. I like to look at what people were saying 18 months ago as far as different positions in the draft and, you know, who was rated number one at that position, let's say, 18 months ago. 18 months ago, it was almost a consensus that the best guards in the draft were Shane Lemieux of Oregon and John Simpson. Since then, it's, it's hard to find people to put them, that put them in their top four or maybe even five. What's happened to them? Simon. I don't think anything's happened to them necessarily. I, I like Lemieux. I think he's a good player. Um, I, I think he's one of my favorites still. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a good player. Just I got him as the fifth-ranked my... interior yeah, offensive lineman. I probably haven't, uh, to be honest, I probably have him as the sixth 
guy on my list. I think he's a. I think he's a. Well, really are we including guy. the centers here? Or? No, this is just. Well, I've just gone guards. I've got a different yeah, center yeah. list. Just guards. I mean, I wonder how much you know. He plays next to the best left tackle in college football in Pinar Sewell, who will be a top mm-hmm. three pick next year. So you wonder how much that that helps. But he is a good player in his own right. I mean, we've look. We've not even talked about Ben Breederson or Solomon Kinley or. Yeah, Train right. Ankrum, you know, there's, Logan, there's guys. Logan yeah, Stenberg. Logan Stenberg, you know, there's guys all over the, the Calvin Throckmorton, the guy that played right tackle Oregon, I think should kick inside, could be a guard, probably could be a center. I think I it think. could be a center. Yeah, I mean, hmm. so I think there's just really good guys throughout the, um, throughout the, uh, throughout the draft, I've got to say. I, I think Shane Lemieux is actually just one of my flat-out favorites mm. at, at the guard position. I think that four-year star, you know, all-American, team captain. Mm. You know, what, what more do you want? What more exactly? What more do you want? I mean, just naming the names, like you said, um, you've mentioned most of them already. But you know, you can give me Natane Muti, um, I'll be happy. You can give me. Uh, Damian Lewis, I'll be happy. Shane Lemieux, I'll be happy. Uh, this is in, in no particular order. Uh, John Simpson, I'll be happy. Uh, Robert Hunt, I'll be happy. Jonah Jackson, I'll be happy. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys here that could help you at the guard position. I mean, Cameron Clark. Cameron Clark was a phenomenal left tackle. I knew, he, I know he can move inside to to guard and play really well. Um, I think that. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of help that inside that you can get in this draft, um, and forgetting you know who knows on some of these some of these centers if if they could even move over to guard a little bit if you depending on what you've got on your roster, um, they can probably do some damage over there as well. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of help here. John Simpson is one of those big burly mothers that you just know are going to play in the NFL for 10 years. And mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to do really well. I mean, he d- might not move as well as some other guys, um, he's, you know, but neither is Jonah Jackson, I don't think. Um, so I think that uh, you can shoot for the, st- you could really shoot for the moon with Natan Muti. Um, I think that the same could also be kind of true of Shane Lemieux. He reminds me of Muti a little bit. Um, so, and tons of help there. Um, we'll get to the centers too, but I think that uh, I think that you can go and and again, don't forget about Cameron Clark. He's a really good player. A guy that I can't get, you know, I can't really. Oh, f- right. sorry. Figure him as Three, much. Two, one. Off we go. Sorry. We go nice. Again. Hello. What the hell? Fuck! How can I sort of? Sorry, I had to download something. <laughs> You not only do you get this one, you get two podcasts when you there listen you to three yards for carry. Sorry, yeah, this break, this break, we're just going to give you. I was another just podcast. downloading that from WeTransfer, and I forgot it was going. All of a sudden, it was like I want to play a guy who looks Carrier. the part. A guy who looks the part, but I just don't see it. And maybe I'm wrong. Is Tyree Phillips of Mississippi State? Yeah. Does he belong in this it. group? No, not for me. N- not for me. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I've, so I've I guess we looked have, into it. The same boat. I looked into it. I'm not. I'm not even that big on Ben Ben Breedison, to be honest. Um, of of Michigan, I think that uh, he might be a little overlate overrated in my uh, in my eyes. But there's another guy from Rhode Island, Kyle Murphy, who is built exactly right. I think that he he moves well. And keep an eye on him. He's another small school guy. He played. He was at the Shrine game. I think that there's there's upside there when he's when he's being taught well. Yeah. 
Okay. And uh, Damian Lewis is my guy. I think that's who I like. I think they can get him with one of those second round picks. He's going to be one of the higher, higher, higher ranked guards for most teams. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be one of the first guards off the board. I'd love him at maybe, I don't know about 39, but I'd be tempted unless Lucas Niang is on the board at 39. I would take mm-hmm. Lucas Niang. The issue with Niang is, and the Dolphins is that if they take two with the injury issues, you know, do you then want to spend two of your first four picks? Because Lucas Niang obviously coming off the Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Do you want two of your first four picks coming back off injuries? That to me is yeah. a big question mark. And I think that's why I know that they spent a lot of time with Robert Hunt on FaceTime and stuff. He was going to be one of their 30 visits. Uh, the kid at Louisiana is tough and hard-nosed, play outside, inside. Um, I just I do wonder if they take it to whether or not they take the risk with Niang coming off the injury, as good as he is, and he is. That that to me would be an issue. Well, the Dolphins did some work on on the center position this offseason. They jettisoned Daniel Kilgore and they added Ted Karras. Excited, Simon. About Ted Karras. <laughs> yes. I'd be more excited if I was told I was gonna have um, my penis removed. And sewed onto the back of my head. <laughs> Which brings um, us to the draft. You see that segue? You see how I did that? You see how I did that, Simon? That's next episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not excited about taking Look, what I think Karras is is a really good backup at all three interior positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I thought last year watching the Patriots is that, you know, that their, their, their offense is so predicated on that screen game. And Karras, what David Andrews used to do so well was be able to get out of the perimeter and essentially just mow guys over. And Karras just doesn't have the athletic ability to do that. And their offense suffered, especially with you know the the diminishing returns from Brady's arm, which didn't fall off completely, obviously. But you know he's not the guy he was ten years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Um, and you know you're trying to rely on that screen game, and you're just not able to do so because your center isn't athletic enough to get outside. Now, that for me would would be a concern. But I think again, you know we've pretty much like we've talked about most positions, there's, there's guys at centre I really like in this draft. You know, so I don't think Ted Karras is the guy. But I, well. I, and I'd be frightened to think that I'm glad it's just a one-year deal because I just think I, I really hope mm. they don't just think we, we've sorted centre now. Ted, Ted's going to play there. He's, he's going to be unchallenged. We don't need to look at some of these really good guys that could play centre. I really hope that's not the case. I do too, and you know he's he's a guy that reminds me that the most um, the most defining, I guess, characteristic of, as you say, a, a really good backup at the three positions is that um, you don't want them starting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's that's um, that's Ted Karras for you. Um, yeah, I, I I would hate to think that they're done just because they've got Ted Karras and Michael Dieter competing together as center. <laughs> yeah, um, that would that would suck for me. I know that you can't you can't do everything in one off season, right? You know that. Yeah, of course. Um, we, well, they we got enough know. picks too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but yes and no. I mean, you can't really you can't really get everything everything you want in um in one off season and. Yeah, they've signed Ted Karras at center. He's he's on a one year deal, um, and we'll see. But God, it, it would really suck if they just, you know, I'm not even counting Lloyd Christianberry. I, I think he's a pretty good center prospect. He's, he's obviously got arms for days. But hmm. Simon, your guy, Damian Lewis. I, every time I look at the LSU hmm. pairing, I think Lewis just outshines him. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I I don't think Christianberry's an, an 
excellent player yet. Uh, We've both got a guy here at Centre Emory that we both think, you know, me with Ruiz, you with Hennessy, that mm-hmm. you just think, I really hope that, you know, the Dolphins aren't done at centre, like you say, because to, to pass on one of these guys, even Tyler Biadash. Absolutely. You know, not to pass on one of these, mm-hmm. to pass on one of these guys just would make you... Yeah. To, to me, it's not good. If you get one of those three, and, and for me, it is Hennessy. I think that he could be special. I think that he's a, he's a special center in the making. You get one of those three um, between Biadas and, uh, and Hennessy or Ruiz or, or Christian Berry. I mean, be honest, um, somewhere down the road, he could be, he could be pretty good. Um, then, yeah, you're doing a lot better than just, I guess, settling for for ted karras and i hope that i hope they have that in mind i hope that they're open-minded to it but hey they don't have every pick in the top three rounds right so we'll we'll have to see we need god even daryl williams at mississippi state a guy i really like you just think mm-hmm. you know move from guard to center as a senior and tough and versatile and team leader and those kind of things i just uh, you know i like you say just don't want to be done in that position yeah another guy that i find I, I at least I find him interesting because of what he's done is that is Jake Hansen of Oregon. Now the knock on him is that he's not going to particularly test well because he's not particularly strong. He's not athletic. So, you know, so what else, you know, so besides that, you know, how was the play Mrs. Lincoln, mm-hmm. but I don't see what's wrong with him as far as a, a late round draft pick. The knock on him is that he plays next to Pinar Sewell and Shane Lemire. Yeah, but somehow... <laughs> and Calvin but, Throckmorton. Yeah. But somehow he had a C on his chest at one point. So coaches like him on a team that, you know, with that much talent on the offensive line? I don't know. I don't see what's, what's so wrong about him that's basically dumped him down all these draft boards that I'm Nick Harris right is another kid I like, the kid at Washington, you know? Yeah. I, I think he can play as well. I think I think he's smallish. I think he's smallish, and he's he not. Small. He, he's he's smallish. And he doesn't make up for it by being a great athlete either. You know, he's. I I worry about him jumping up to the next level because I, I look for guys that are a little bit, you know, impressive. I guess, and that that's why you can fall into danger with that because you look at Jack Driscoll and it's like, well, he's not going to impress you with the eyeball test, but he's just a phenomenal player. Um, I'm trying to be open-minded that way with Nick Harris, but it doesn't stand out for me. But yeah. Alf, the the guy, if you're going to go with, you know, Oregon center, I mean, to me, I would take Throckmorton and move him to center, mm-hmm. and, and instead of taking Jake Hansen, I think that Throckmorton is the more impressive player um, in general, and I think that he's he's open to moving to center. He played some center, um, and I believe the Senior Bowl. So, yeah, I have uh, no problems at all with Matt Hennessy, Tyler Biedas, Cesar Ruiz, Lloyd Cushenberry. I think all four are good players, uh, but we're running out of draft picks here. I've got some Barry Jackson offensive line news if you want it, because we talked earlier on about uh, Kevin Dotson and Robert Hunt, who would have been 30 visits. Um, according to a source, the Dolphins also previously invited Southern Cal offensive tackle Austin Jackson to team headquarters for one of their 30 permitted draft visits, but I had to cancel. Dolphins have also had conversations with Iowa offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have been doing video conference sessions with several offensive linemen that interest them, including Georgia left tackle Andrew Thomas um, and two potential second-day centers who can play guard, Temple's Matt Hennessy and Washington's Nick Harris. Mm. Um, 
this and this is literally just broken on the um on the website uh, on the on the Herald. It says Hennessy Roberts, Wisconsin center Tyler Biadash, LSU center Lloyd Cushenbury, and Michigan center Caesar Ruiz. Miami has varying interests in each of them. Hunt, Oregon, Shane Amir, and Ben Breederson are considered among the top guards. There you go. Well, a lot of those I'd I'd be perfectly happy with. You know, add them to the offensive line. I think a guy late in the draft, and I, I we did a we did one of the, our podcasts about the off season. I had this guy as a six round pick, and I wonder if he goes a little higher. And that's Sean Pollard of Clemson. He's played mm-hmm. tackle, he's played guard, he's played center. He's going to be a center in the NFL. Good size for a team that's that good. He was the the captain of the offensive line two consecutive years on an offensive line that had John Simpson. So I think he's worth a look as well. And I've got some, some more here. Zach Moss, the guy the Dolphins have done a video session with. Dolphins have shown interest in Utah defensive tackle Lecky Foti. They did a video session with him. They've interviewed several of the They need players. a nose tackle, don't they? Yeah, they do. Don't they? Know that, that they type don't have of... a zero right now. No. Nah. They've also interviewed several of the projected day three or free agent quarterbacks. They've shown strong interest in FIU's James Morgan. Yep, a lot um, of teams have, actually. Two team officials, including Titans coach George Godsey, interviewed Michigan State's, uh, Michigan's Shea Patterson. Dolphins also interviewed James Madison's Ben DiNucci. Um, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. John Jenkins is still floating out in the ether. Simon Stepeniak, as well as a guy they've, I know they've interviewed, the Indiana guard. Do we bring him back, Chris? John Jenkins? With John Jenkins? I mean, they could, certainly. Um, now we're, we're straying into the defense. But, yeah, I mean, I think they could uh, bring him back. But I think they will want to see what they – and the last piece, clearly, that they're, they're missing along the defensive line, I think the defensive front is sort of that big body nose tackle type. And um, and so we'll see we'll see who they go after that way. Um, you know, you could even see you could even see that being up top somewhere if the right the 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 tackle that they want doesn't drop down on them, but somehow Derek Brown does. <laughs> you know, um, then you could see them go really go for it. And I know that they we know that they worked out Marlon Davidson and the Auburn defensive players really hard Devon Hamilton obviously is is a really strong player especially since you know his issue is his issue we've talked about Simon you leave him on the field for too long and you got problems Mm. um but in our in this the the Dolphins defense they wouldn't leave him on the field too long that's not that's not what they would be asking him to do so um so you know fit right in and just go out and dominate you look at him early in games and you're just like, you are an absolute machine. Yeah. But then, you know, later on, you know, he's going to be a guy that is going to suffer in the South Florida heat, but he's a, yeah. he's a good player, a really good player. But, you know, you look at how they, what they did with Danny Shelton and New England and, and those sorts of guys. They don't, they don't leave those guys on the field. No, exactly. For, for a, a long, long time. Absolutely. You know, so, so I think that they, there is a place for him and certainly Lucky Foto as well. I mean, that's Ooh, 100%. Great name too. Yeah, right, right up top among the guys that you would consider. Yeah. Um, and I think that there, uh, there's another guy, um, and I'm forgetting is uh, is a Darian Daniels. Um, yes, the Nebraska, uh, the Nebraska guy. Nebraska guy, yeah. Yeah, um, they could consider him. Uh, he's six foot four, three hundred twenty two pounds. I know that they're gonna, 
they're going to take a look at him. Well, I've got to go to bed. Yes, you do. <laughs> this was your offensive part one, 2020 NFL draft preview. Next week, we will get into the defense. And Dolphins did a lot of work on the defensive end this year in free agency. So they might not be too active in that end, but they do need some defensive backs. They might need a five tech. They need a zero for sure. And they might need another linebacker. So maybe four guys that they might target for the draft. They're definitely bringing a corner as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... They can't help themselves. Picks, I don't nah, think they're going to use all 14, but I would say the majority is going to go on offense, but they might need four guys to contribute on the defense. So we'll be talking about that next week, but that's next week. This week was your offensive preview of the NFL draft. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.